Hi, everyone. Dr. Tim here, along with Hillary, for another Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I'm doing good, but the better question is, how are you doing? You guys have a bunch of rain. Ugh, it's raining like crazy. It's cold. It's a mess. People are driving like idiots. Just another typical <laughs> day in Southern California. Slow down, folks. Come on. <laughs> Not that crazy. Slow down. PCH is closed. Santa Barbara's flooded. Yeah, it's all great. Another oh, winter day wow. in California. I didn't realize it was quite that bad, but goodness. Yeah, Santa Barbara County, Ventura County, San Luis Obispo, like eight counties are in an emergency, you know, just crazy floods and all sorts of stuff. So, But we're all nice and warm here at Dr. Tim's Aquatics, right? Yep. And dry. <laughs> yes, that's the key. Dry. All right. We're doing questions and answers? We are. Yep. And... Yep. I want to catch people if they're if they usually don't listen to the questions and answers. We have a really special podcast episode coming up for the second one. I think we're recording it right before Valentine's Day. So you definitely want to tune in towards like the later half of the month to catch that because it's going to be a really fun episode. We're going to have guests. Yes. And I've two got two other guests. guests I'm trying to get, which I think will be fun. So Oh, that'll yeah. be awesome. Yes. So I won't spill any beans yet because they're not cooked. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, I don't even know. I don't even know what the special guests are. Like, I have, I know what, who the people are coming for next episode, but I don't know. I don't no, know. I want to make sure. Well, I want to make sure they're up to it and when. Okay. And um, then I'm going to be a guest on a couple of shows too. Oh. Do you have dates for those? Do you know which podcasts are you able to share? Uh, I don't have the dates. We're working on that. Um, so there's the Pond Digger. Uh, I know of him. I've caught a couple of his episodes here and there, but I don't know him personally. Yep, I need it on. Um, but he likes ponds, so he has to be a good guy, right? And uh, then a guy from the UK. Um, oh, so interesting. We've got to work out some timing issues and... We're getting into the show show season. I'm excited for show season. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Aquaculture America in San Antonio starts in about two weeks. Well, in two weeks, not about two weeks. So be there in our commercial division for the you, you that don't know. We do uh, zebrafish systems, aquaculture hatcheries, fish ponds, large, small, around the world. Another section that's kind of where I started out many, many years ago in the aquaculture field. Uh, so we show there. And then uh, Global Pet is coming up. And I think we've got a, um, is there a reptile show between now and then? I think there is. I think there's a reptile show right before Global. Global, yeah. All right, let's fire away at some questions. And uh, before we get started, um you're going to ask for help, which we don't mind. We like, but you got to give us a little detail on your aquarium. I haven't read all these questions, but I've seen it come across where people say, my tank's not cycled. What's wrong? Can't really help you there, folks. 
without asking a lot of questions. And then sometimes people take that the wrong way, but we need to know some data about your tank and your setup and what you've done in your water to help you. And people want to get helped fast. So the not asking for a book and an encyclopedia, um, well, we get those. Uh, but we do need to know some basic things. What's your water source? Did you use substrate? What else have you added to your aquarium? What are your water quality? I guess I do have a pet peeve, Hillary, when people say, <laughs> <laughs> my, water, <laughs> my water's perfect. Well, then why are you contacting us? <laughs> I mean, and that gets, you know, whether you're setting up, cycling, trying to get rid of sinos, dinos, any problems, uh, there has to be something wrong. So, so if you have some numbers, please share because saying my water is perfect doesn't help. Can you right? real quick give people the water parameters that you're looking for? Uh, well, if you're cycling, well, generally you want ammonia, nitrite, nitrate, phosphate, uh, calcium and magnesium aren't bad to have. Um, temperature, because some people surprise us and they're doing cold water tanks. Uh, salinity, source of water. It's we've we've had some quandaries, and then it turns out people were using DI water, just DI water. Bacteria don't like DI water. Um, substrate, what it is? Is it live? Live rock. Or, or, you know, what kind of ro ro uh, decorations, rocks are you using? And then any other additives that you're adding, because it turns out a lot of people start adding a lot of stuff at the beginning. And um, that is good to know because that can be the source of many problems. Um, if you're having algae issues, cyanodinoflagellate, what's your light and what are the uh, settings for the different channels, if you have different channels. And then what's the depth of your aquarium? Because if you have a shallow aquarium and you have the blue turned all the way up, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to get algae. And then what's your filtration system? Skimmer, UV, ozone's coming back. Uh, you have a, a dedicated biofilter. Um, is your filter on? running um what media sponge uh, filter pad just what's in there i think those are kind of the basics <laughs> I'm, I'm over here laughing because you're like i don't need a novel and i'm i'm making can, a list you, of all of the things that you, you want can, I'm like, but, the, but those are get a novel. Those, no no i don't need you know i set the tank up on a friday and it was a cold and windy day and i <laughs> i don't need that <laughs> At, I, I I laugh, but that was when I was teaching this course at UC Santa Barbara. Field, it was field trip course. It was a lot of fun to teach. And the goal of the class was to not only learn how to do water analysis, but also to write a scientific paper. And so the students had to uh, do past research, you know, go into the literature. And we had been uh, doing this in past you know, for years. So there was, there were previous papers and written by students and data collected on this lake. Um, only, only natural occurring lake in Santa Barbara County, Lake Zaka Lake, which trivia, 
the original creature from the Black Lagoon was filmed there in like the 1930s. Didn't know you were coming here for trivia contests, were you? Um, I but I like trivia. Yeah, but the um, uh, so they had to write a scientific paper, which you don't really get a class on that. And then I would be the reviewer, review the papers, and uh, then give it back to them, and they would edit it. And that final edited paper would be, you know, a big part of their grade. Uh, just like when you turn in a manuscript to a, a scientific journal, you're going to get two or three reviewers to review it, and they're going to criticize it. It's not personal. That's one thing I find about the aquarium industry. Everybody takes everything personal, but if you're in the scientific field, you learn criticism is to challenge you and your ideas and you have to defend that that's the process it's not personal um but that's a long-winded i think is one person wrote we started out at the uc santa barbara parking lot and got into the school and they basically did a travel log <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of my big comments is this is a scientific paper not a travel log of how you spent your Saturday going to Zakale. <laughs> so I'm not looking for a travel log. I'm not looking uh, bullet points on this. You you can you can do this. Um, yeah, I think you can do this. So maybe yes, maybe absolutely. we can have a. I don't know how we have a form. <laughs> a or form. Yeah, I know we've but, talked about the form before. Yeah, but then where where are they going to find it? Because nobody looks for anything like that anymore, do they? No. Yeah. No, so. Although it would be nice, because I, I think I've talked to somebody on Instagram, and I feel bad because I'm asking twenty one thousand questions. Like I'm not trying to be rude. I just the more information that I know, to an extent. You know what? What about this? What if we, you and I, we develop a form, and then um, people e email us, and we email them back the form to fill out. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's what we need to do because it can be. I hate forms that aren't, you know, you, you can't fill them out. You can, we can make a form, um, and then next where, where the answer is, there's a square there, so you can do it electronically. You don't have to print it out. You can do it electronically. Save it, mail back to us. All right, got to put that on, on the list. list. All right, we'll do that, folks. Okay, well, there's supposed to be questions and answers, and I just been blabbing, so go for it. <laughs> okay. We'll start off question number one. Is it okay to use Dr. Tim's first defense when treating saltwater fish with copper? I'm using copper power, which is copper sulfate. Thanks. Uh, yes, it's it's fine. Um, there's nothing in first defense vitamins, so that would be fine, that would interfere or... Um, compound the effects of the copper. So no, it would be fine. It would help because any type of uh, treatment causes stress and the uh, uh, ingredients in first defense would help relieve some of that stress. So definitely uh, fine to, to use while treating with copper. Question number two, I have had brown sludge in my display for a while now. Can I use your products EcoBalance and Waste Away at the same time? I would not recommend that. And that is because brown sludge means you have a bunch of organics. And um, really, that's what Waste Away was designed for. It has a larger 
a variety of bacteria to degrade the organics and get, then what's going to happen? The e versus the eco balance. The eco balance is more of a probiotic producing bacteria sins where the waste away are strains of bacteria that degrade organics, consume nitrates and phosphates. And you want to go slow, which is why we put on the bottles, never double up on bacteria, meaning don't add the bacteria on the same day because you can get a bacterial bloom. And if you already know, you can see the sludge, the chances are pretty high you're going to get a bacterial bloom. So again, on the bottle, we say start with a small amount, no more than half or even less. With this, yes, cut it back maybe a, to a quarter or even 10% because if you have a lot of sludge, that's going to be fuel for the bacteria. As they degrade, they're going to you know, be consuming this. And it's easy to add more. It's more work to put out the bacterial bloom fire that you cause by adding too much. And we can't tell you how much other than start slow because every tank is different. But when you see sludge, that tells you you've got a lot in there. And what happens is that some of the strains of bacteria start degrading that sludge and they turn that organic material into ammonia. So you might see a temporary ammonia rise. Shouldn't be to anything dangerous, but then that'll increase to nitrite and nitrate. Um, and the water might get a little hazy. So you want to go with you want to go at this slowly, small amounts. Observing the tank, definitely don't add the waste away and let the lights go off and go to bed because that you, you want to be able to observe the tank. Does it get super cloudy? If it gets super cloudy, add aeration, turn the skimmer on, um, UV if you have it because you're getting a bacterial bloom and the bacteria as they bloom can suck all the oxygen out of the water. I would even say that maybe before you even add the bacteria, Take a siphon clean, you know, and clean out as much as that sludge as you can. You really shouldn't see sludge in your aquarium. Would you agree with that, Hillary? I would agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah. Kind, of, kind of a lack of maintenance. So, sure, the bacteria would take care of it, but you run a risk of getting a bacterial bloom. The better thing would be to take a siphon, clean out as much as that sludge as you can. And then, and this is important. I would wait 24 to 48 hours before adding the waste away. And why is that? If your tank is to the point where you're seeing build up a sludge, chances are that substrate has gone anaerobic or anoxic and is trapping phosphates in there. And we see this or hear about this a lot. When you go in there, and finally start cleaning that and stirring things up. And this can happen even if you don't see a lot of sludge in the substrate, but you're stirring that substrate up. You're oxygenating or releasing that phosphate, which can cause a bacterial bloom on its own. So that's one reason why we say if you're under gravel or recommend that if you're, you're not under gravel, if, if your substrate is really dirty Clean it in sections because disrupting the whole thing, you can release a lot of trapped nutrients that are 
in that substrate into the water column with oxygen and get a bacterial bloom that can, you know, suffocate all your fish. So do small sections at a time, but don't add the waste away right away because that may just cause an even bigger bloom. So wait 24 to 48 hours after a, a cleaning of a dirty uh, substrate before adding the bacteria just to make sure the system doesn't bloom on its own. That was a long answer. Starting off with long answers here. But I want to make <laughs> get, get that clear, especially when people n- mention their sludge in their aquarium because it means you really haven't been doing your maintenance. Yes. I used to see a lot of sludge when I would do service and maintenance, especially when we brought on new clients and you'd get there and like, oh boy, it's going to take some yeah. time. Question number three, you were just talking about this earlier. Is it okay to use ozone with your products? Well, I I would not use ozone in the beginning when you are uh, using one and only because it, it, the whole idea behind ozone is you're going to kill the bacteria or microorganisms in the water column. Now, of assuming it's a properly set up ozone system, which means that you're taking some of the water, moving it through the ozone contact chamber, and then the exit water goes through something like activated carbon to make sure the water's clean because you don't want to be putting ozone back into your aquarium because that can kill things. Um, What will happen using ozone, though, is if you start using it with our waste away and clear up and equal balance is that you're going to kill those bacteria. Uh, So while it's okay, it may be a case that you're kind of throwing your money away. Um, And and as I think longtime listeners will know, I'm not a big fan of using any of this stuff 24-7 because when I say any of this stuff, ozone and UV over uh, skimming because you're removing all the good uh, bacteria from the water column but leaving the nutrients. And that's the same with ozone. Ozone will only kill anything that it comes in contact with in the contact chamber because if you're putting the ozone in your aquarium you're going to kill your fish and your corals and plants and everything else so you're killing the microorganisms that are in the water but that just opens the field up for microorganisms that live on substrates and surfaces just like what happens with dinoflagellates and cyanobacteria so it's kind of a trade-off. You have to know, you know, what, what the positives and the negatives are. If you're having huge, huge breakouts and things like that, ozone can be a tool to use. But I think most people use it as a crutch and just expect their tank to be beautiful because they're using ozone. And that's really not the case. You know, in, in public aquariums, ozone is not used as a disinfectant or a or a prophylactic to keep you know the bacteria down for health reasons, it's used to keep the water clear. It's very effective done correctly at keeping the water super clear 
Uh, but it, then you have those drawbacks because, you know, you got the divers in the morning scrubbing <laughs> artificial corals and things like that because you're still going to get algae growing on these. But people go to an aquarium and if it's 50 feet, uh, you know, of viewing depth, that means, you know, usually people are viewing from one side to the other. People want to see through that aquarium and they want that gin clear water. Um, that's not the ocean, but that's what people want. Um, and the way to do that, you know, is uh, to use ozone. So you can use it. Just just uh, know the know the positives and the negatives and uh, be prepared. All right. We are on question number four. This is a question about the beneficial fish food. I'm interested in your fish food, but I have a question. Are the menhaden, salmon, river shrimp, and gamaris farm-raised or wild-caught? Everything is wild-caught. That's why sometimes I'm for a bit there. We didn't have Gamaris. It was a shortage. Oh, interesting. This turns out Gamaris is only uh, harvested a few parts of the world. Like uh, many other things, that it's subject to lots of variability. And so there was a shortage there for a while. Yes, we're on question number five. That was a quick answer. <laughs> it's a yes or no. <laughs> That's true. I'm curious what your reasoning is behind not keeping red tails. You gave logical and reasonable explanations for sharks and Moorish idols. I agree with what you said. I'm just curious if there's a specific reason why. So uh, I've, a couple of months ago, I started doing a uh, short daily, um, I don't know what you call it, fish fact, aquarium mm -hmm. fact post like on it. social media. Um, so that's what this person's talking about. And I mentioned uh, three fish that I think that you should not keep. And number one is the red-tailed catfish. And the reason is that the red-tailed catfish is going to get big. It's going to get three feet, four feet, and the mouth could swallow a basketball. Yikes. <laughs> These are these are big fish, and you need to have the right size aquarium to keep it. And you definitely, definitely never, ever, never, never release it into the wild. And I've got friends at public aquarium that are, no pun intended, up to their gills in donated red-tailed catfish and other big giant fish. And so it's just it's just not right to keep it. It's in my opinion, you know, you're, you're, you're going to house it in substandard housing. That's not fair to the fish. You're, you definitely don't want to release it into the wild. And uh, so what are you going to do with this thing when it gets, you know, three feet long, much less four feet and, and big. So it's just not a, a fish that uh, I think people should keep. It, it's going to get, it's going to get too big for the systems. Unless you have a big, you know, 10,000-gallon aquarium. <laughs> now you're talking. Like, you're talking yeah. like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't give them. Like, or you could just build a house around a giant tank. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the office of the fish farm company that I helped start a long, long time ago, we had six aquariums. Two of them uh, were built into the wall, and they, they were 1,000 gallons. What? Uh, eight feet by four feet by four feet. And uh, 
Even a red-tailed catfish is going to look crowded. A full-grown one, these things get big. So it's that's the reason. Just don't think it's a, a fish that, uh, I mean, of course there are exceptions. You know, people turn their swimming pool into a fish pond. Fine. But um, for the for most people, they just don't understand what they're getting into, and and that happens a lot with animals. I mean, people get like a you know a um, Dalmatian, which is a great dog, but a Dalmatian is a high energy dog, and if you're a low energy person, uh, you just can't take it for the walks and the play and 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 everything that the, the dog is you know, once and you're, so you, you're not being fair to the animal. So that's my soapbox. Yeah. I'm going to let you continue on the soapbox. I'm going to ask another question that may be a little bit controversial. Is there a reason, do you think, if these fish get so big and it's general knowledge that they get so big, why you commonly see them for sale in pet stores? I guess I'm talking more of like big box stores. I think local fish stores are a lot better about letting people know what to expect. But I've heard so many horror stories of people saying, oh, yeah, I went to my local big box fish store and they sold me this, but they didn't tell me X, Y, Z. You think that'll ever change? Uh, completely, no. I mean, more and more, there's supposed to be fish care sheets and some of the big box. I mean, the big box stores are trying, but. You know, when you have a thousand or fifteen hundred stores and all these different associates and things like that, it's it's hard to get them trained well and to actually, you know, do their do their jobs and to talk to people. And a lot of times people just say that's the fish I want. And the person capturing it may not even be the person from the fish room. So it's kind of a combination of uh, lack of training. And maybe stretch too thin, and uh, that I, I don't know that it's a like a profit. People could say, "Well, people they want to make money." Um, I don't think it's that. I mean, I think that would be more prevalent prevalent in a small, you know, privately owned single store. But um, I know these places have fish list or list list the fish that they're one easy to keep because they don't want to get fish into the store that that keep on dying um because it doesn't look good and it's not right and it's lost revenue and a red-tailed catfish is a pretty hardy fish even at, definitely at a small size really hardy at a big size um so it might be that makes sense okay we are on question number six which is how do i clear algae from my tank without using so many chemicals well, algae is the result of, you know, nutrients and light, which is which is your aquarium. You're feeding the system and you're adding light because you want to see things and you don't want a, you know, dark, dank, stinky hole in your living room or bedroom or family room. So um, if you're going to do it without chemicals, you have to step back and see where are these nutrients coming from. One, are you overfeeding? That's the input. And then two, are there things you can do to have something else take care of the nutrients? And by that, I mean plants. You know, they're, they're Leiden. This is, this is old school. 
Uh, do you know what the Leiden Aquarium is? Or the Leiden method of aquarium keeping, Hillary? Have you ever? I can't say that I have heard of that. Oh, look at that. Learned something new for me too. This this is basically the balanced aquarium, and it came from I don't know if this is true or not, but it's what I learned is that there were a group of enthusiasts from the city of Leiden, which is in oh, I'm gonna miss it's in the Netherlands, I'm pretty sure. And the idea was that you balanced the amount of fish with the amount of plants. Why? Because the plants can take up the phosphate and the nitrate, the nutrients. And so it, you, if you have the right amount of fish, means don't overcrowd, and you're feeding correctly, which means don't overfeed, the plants can consume the phosphate from the degraded food and the nitrate from the biological cycle and you don't get algae. Now contrast that with people set up a, an aquarium and they get a bunch of plastic plants and they put a you know bright light on top of it that they keep up on for 14 hours a day and then the kids overfeed the tank. Now you've got all these nutrients, you've got surfaces and you've got lights and you've got no way to get rid of the nutrients. What are you going to grow? Algae. So, again, every tank is different, but th this is the idea behind, say, a refugia in saltwater aquariums because there aren't a lot of, you know, vascular plants that are easy to grow. But you've got calerpa, you've got, uh, which is illegal in some places and states, depending on the species, so be careful of that. Then you've Didn't also- they just pass some legislation in California to get rid of it? Could be wrong. Oh, no. The legislation passed a long, long time ago. Yeah. I've, I've seen something recently in like the last two months about how they're having all sorts of issues with it. Anyway, sorry. Well, anytime there's a Calerpa outbreak, they blame Aquarist for throwing it away. So as I said earlier, don't ever throw any year stuff into any natural or artificial uh, lake, lagoon, reservoir, street, you know, nothing like that. But anyways... The idea behind the ketomorpha or the calerpa is that they're a green primary consumer and they will consume the nitrate and phosphate versus the algae. The other source is bacteria. And I said in the earlier question about ozone, you've got two groups of bacteria, ones that live in the water. These are not nitrifying bacteria. We're talking about heterotrophic bacteria. You've got those that live in the water, and then you've got those that live on surfaces. And what you want to do is promote the ones that live in the water because they will consume the nitrates and phosphates because that's what they need to grow. And then you harvest them with your protein skimmer. That's the idea behind our pearls, you know, that are a biodegradable carbon or the plants, just some other consumer that will take those nutrients. Because if you don't, you're going to get algae. You have to look at your system and then evaluate in the, you know, it's, it's not a linear equation. It's kind of four-dimensional chess here because you've got plants, you've got algae, of you've got bacteria. All those want the nitrates and phosphates. 
and you want to control them so that you don't get the nuisance algae um, in your system. So there's there's not a one size fits all. Generally, though, our waste away gels um, help a lot. And why? Because people, as I mean, I'm going back to my old questions here, but we talked about public aquariums, people want that gin clear water. Well, that's the same with people in their home aquariums. They want this super clear water. And so they're using all these devices. You you know, we get these questions or you read about, I got the skimmer, I got the roller filter, I've got the ozone, the UV, the bio pellets, I mean, everything. And I'm growing algae like crazy. How's that possible? Because all those things I mentioned remove the bacteria from the water column, but they don't do anything to prevent hair algae, black beard algae, cyanobacteria, dinoflagellates, and things from growing on surfaces. In fact, you're promoting them because you've eliminated any possible con competition in the water column. And that was the whole idea behind the gels, which time release 24-7 bacteria into the water because I can't convince people to get rid of some of that equipment and put those, you know, skimmers on a timer. I, I just, you know, some people do, and they come back to a show later on and say it's the greatest thing they ever did and the easiest thing they ever did and the cheapest thing, a timer. That's all you need. Um, but uh, it, it takes time to teach people old tricks. So um, you don't need chemicals. Chemicals are only going to treat symptoms. That's all they do. They're going to mask things and usually make things worse. Um, so we spend a lot of time trying to help people out. And uh, it's not buying parts or, or equipment that's too big, not overfeeding, and then just kind of understanding the basic biology of what's going on in your aquarium. And yes, folks, it's the day where Dr. Tim talks and talks and talks. Sorry. Isn't that what we do all the podcasts? Yeah, but it seems like I'm really talking long <laughs> on these questions this time. <laughs> no, you haven't hit any rabbit holes today, so I think oh, I think you're good. All right. Question number seven. This is a totally different question than the stuff we get. So I'm, yeah, I'm all the rabbit holes are full of rainwater out here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Which species of fish successfully use mop heads to lay eggs? Well. I used to do it with Australian rainbows. That was, that was easy. Um, that was a long, long time ago. Um, but um, a lot of fish um, will do mop, you know, on mop heads, glass plates, inclined glass plates. But the Australian rainbows, um, I bred in the 1970s before they were even a popular fish. I did that wow. because I could get better trade value, you know, at the aquarium store. I know you can, I'm fairly certain you can do it with koi as well. I never put mop heads in my pond, the koi. Well, I got plants. Yeah. Um, so they're stuck there. And uh, I posted a picture. My one-year-old koi are big. Oh my gosh. But it's it's kind of funny because I was thinking about this the other day. I've got like 
20. And, uh, you know, I caught them when they were just a half inch long and they kind of were all the same size. And then all of a sudden about three of them just took off growing and the rest look like runts compared to these three. They're, uh, they're really growing big. That's interesting. I wonder why there's such a difference. Well, I mean, just like, you know, I guess your brothers or sisters or stuff like that, they, uh, yeah, just the genes. Uh, they're all getting the same food. I don't know that the big guys are the uh, are the hogs, you know, that steal all the food because I broadcast the food all over the pond, so everybody should get a get a chance. But yeah, genes. Okay, let's move on. Question number eight. I enjoy your podcast. Can I use waste away gel in my planted tank if I'm running CO two? Thanks. Yes, not a problem at all. The waste away gels actually produce CO2, uh, well, not the gels, the bacteria, because remember I talked about how the the bacteria and waste away, the heterotrophic bacteria, the sludge busters break down the sludge. They break that into ammonia and CO2. So waste away can be a little bit of a CO2 producer, um, works very nice in a small system. But, yep, no problem. Okay. Question number nine isn't really a question, but this person would like more fish facts, please. More fish facts. Do you have any fish facts that you can share with us? Right off the top of my head. Off the top of your head, yep. I'll give you a fish fact while you're thinking. Okay. Is, did you know that jellyfish have actually been to the moon back in, I think it was like 1994, they sent moon jellies up to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> To study the effects of gravity on their equilibrium. What did they learn or do good day? So the way that the article I read described it is like they were swimming around drunk so that gravity definitely does affect their equilibrium. Hmm. Well, do people know the difference between anadromous and canadromous, catnadromous? And can you give me an example of each? Oh, gosh. Is, is it where... They're born versus where they spend their life. Like fish that are born in a salt marsh go out and spend their adult lives in the ocean. Yeah. Yep. So anadromous is like striped bass and salmon. They uh, are born in fresh water. Their eggs can't survive in salt water. But then the fish that migrate down the rivers into the estuaries and out into the ocean. And they, you know, rear up until they're adults in um, the ocean. And then to spawn, they have to go back upstream into fresh water. So that's an anadromous fish. A cadnadromous, C-A-T-A, anadromous, is the opposite. So the young are born in the ocean and then they migrate up into fresh water to live out their lives and eels are that way oh i was trying to think of an example eels yeah fish like yep. life cycles are fascinating yeah that was number nine we are right around 42 minutes do we have time for another question sure in your video about caviar is there a possibility for surgeon to get an infection on the wound? Oh, sure. There's always 
possibilities, bacterial or opportunistic infectors. <laughs> yes, there's definitely the possibility of getting infection on on any wound and you know especially in the ocean in any type of water because the water's full of bacteria but that's the same in land too so yes that's definitely true and uh fish fact since we're that fish have ovaries and the eggs develop in the ovaries but not in sturgeon the sturgeon actually have the eggs develop more or less in the body cavity so that's why if you've ever seen image and videos of people, you know, stripping fish to get the eggs and the milk to artificially uh, fertilize the eggs, and this is what we would do with the striped bass, because at the hatchery we actually produced a hybrid. We used a striped bass female with a white bass male, which won't naturally spawn together. So you had to get the eggs and the sperm, you know, in. It, in viability at the right time. And then you would strip the eggs from the female ovaries and the sperm from the male and then mix them up and then put them in the hatching jars and raise the fish. But with sturgeon, you can't do that because there's no ovaries to, to massage to get the eggs to come out. And so what you have to do is surgically, surgically uh, open up the fish and scoop out the eggs. And then you don't want to sacrifice. Yeah, I, I got pictures of this. Yeah. And then you don't want to sacrifice the female because uh, she's be viable again. So then you suture her up again and the wound heals, the incision heals, and then you start all over again. And the one thing about uh, sturgeon eggs it, well, a lot of fish eggs, but they're really sticky. And if they stick together, they don't turn, churn well, and they don't have a great fertilization rate. So we actually, because another video talked about this with jellyfish stings, we would actually add a, a substance called papain, which is the active ingredients. I don't even think they make this anymore of Adolf's meat tenderizer. And that would... Um, remove a little bit of the proteinaceous material on the outside of eggs that cause them to stick together. And it would make them flow better and we get a better fertilization rate with that. Yeah. I, can we just please have a whole podcast on this topic? <laughs> on white spotted fish? Yeah. I, I still am blown away that fish yeah. has surgery, is sewed back up and then they just this, cut this the was same a long time multiple ago. years in a row. Yeah. Now, now, now this was a long time ago. This was when I was working at the fish farm, you know, in the, in the seventies and eighties, just a young kid myself. I don't know if that's what they still do. I mean, the fish biology hasn't changed. Maybe they've come up with easier ways or different ways, but I know California, that was just the beginning of the um, caviar, uh, harvesting and growing in California. And, and there's, you know, a couple of companies that make a uh, living, you know, that grow, that grow and produce a lot of sturgeon and caviar. And I don't know if that's exactly how they still do it, but that's what it was years ago. Yep. That's interesting. Well, Learn something new every time we talk. All right. Are we, we're, we're out of time, Hillary. I think so. I think we'll wrap it at 10 questions. Okay. 
Yeah. So right. And the some next, bonus fish facts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll put some more in there. Uh, and then next we have a couple of guests you're not going to want to miss. And I'm trying to arrange some others. So we've got an exciting time. And if you're any of the uh, shows, come by and say hi. Yep, exactly. Take a picture with Dr. Tim, ask him to tell you a joke, and send me the photo so I can share it on our social media. Thanks, <laughs> Even have Kirk, the warehouse manager, telling me joke. Even has a button that says dad joke, and you press the button on his desk and it tells you a joke. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, all right, everyone. This has been Dr. Tim and Hillary. And another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. Please reach out with your questions. We do like answering and and uh, interfacing with people, talking with people face to face. It shows is the best. You know, it's much appreciated your support. Again, thank you very much, and good fish keeping. <laughs>